everyone. I'm Ray Belli, and this is Words for Granted, a podcast that looks at how words change over time. If you value this podcast as a free and independent educational resource, you can show your support by making a monthly donation at patreon.com slash wordsforgranted. Every little bit adds up. You can also make a one-time donation at paypal.me slash wordsforgranted. Thanks to Jane and Scott for their recent contributions. Before we begin, a quick note about the production schedule of the podcast as of late. As longtime listeners know, things have been going a little slower around here than usual. Because of circumstances in my non-words-for-granted life, I'm only able to release one episode a month for the foreseeable future. And the reason I'm telling you this is just so you don't think at any point that I've ghosted the show. This podcast is my baby, and I'm here for the long run. It's just that it's a lot of work, and there are only so many hours in the day. So, that said, let's get on to today's episode, part two in a series on food words. Many foods have etymologies that reveal something very literal about the way those foods are prepared. For example, the word biscuit derives from the French biscuit, which literally means twice cooked. In North America, a biscuit is a small cake of bread, but in the older British English sense of the word, biscuits are literally cooked in a two-part process. First, they're baked, and then they're dried out in an oven. The word filet comes from a French word meaning headband, itself a diminutive form of the French word fil, which literally means thread. The word began to apply to thin cuts of meat because filets were originally bound in thread. Similarly, cheese which is produced through a process of fermenting milk, probably comes from a verb meaning to ferment or to sour. But since the process of fermenting milk into cheese is much older than either biscuits or fillets, the ultimate root of cheese is much older too. I should say up front that for much of history in different parts of the world, cheese would have referred to coagulated milk curds. Hard-pressed cheeses were a later innovation that will become relevant later in our story. The root of the word cheese probably goes all the way back to the prehistoric Proto-Indo-European language, that is, the first Indo-European language spoken on the Eurasian steppe about 5,000 years ago. The reconstructed Proto-Indo-European root word for cheese is something like quat, which, again, meant to ferment or sour. Linguists need to reconstruct Proto-Indo-European words because it's a language that was spoken long before humans developed a system for writing things down. I say that cheese probably derives from this root word, quat, because the derivation has been historically disputed by some linguists. Linguists have determined with greater certainty other derivatives of quat among the Indo-European languages, such as the North Indian chasi, meaning buttermilk, the Old Church Slavonic kvazu and kselu, meaning fermented drink and sour, respectively, the Czech kiasti, meaning to sour or rot, and the Gothic hwathjan, meaning foam. If cheese is indeed also derived from kwat, then it's cognate with these other words as well. A more direct etymological predecessor of the word cheese is the Latin word kaisus, 
Now, if Latin didn't inherit caesus from Proto-Indo-European, then it likely has its origins as a loan word that was borrowed into Latin at a very early stage of the language's development. If you're familiar with ancient geography and ancient history, you'll know that the earliest speakers of Latin on the Italian peninsula were neighbors with a people called the Etruscans. The Etruscans, whose language is also called Etruscan, reached their height of power and expansion during the 8th century BCE, but declined into obscurity at the beginning of the Common Era. The Romans actually borrowed their alphabet from the Etruscans, and we know that many common Latin words were borrowed from Etruscan too. A handful of these loan words have even passed down into English, such as antenna, person, military, and vernacular, among others. Now, excuse Captain Obvious here, but in order for one language to borrow the word for cheese from another language, the speakers of that other language would need to have produced and eaten cheese. So, did the Etruscans eat cheese? They did, and we know this thanks to scientific analyses of residues left on preserved Etruscan kitchenware. It's tempting to consider an Etruscan origin for the Latin caesus, but since the Etruscan written record is so scarce and no reference to cheese exists in any surviving inscriptions, there's no real linguistic evidence to make a case here. Wherever caesus may ultimately have come from, we know that the English cheese derives from this Latin word. Now, English is not a Romance language, which is to say that it didn't break off from Latin the way that Spanish, French, or Italian did. English is a fundamentally Germanic language, but with a heavy Latinate influence. Most Latin-derived words in English came into the language via French following the Norman-French invasion of England in 1066, but many Latin-derived words in English were also borrowed from Latin directly, either through liturgical Latin during the late Anglo-Saxon period, or from scholarly Latin during the later medieval and Renaissance periods. Caesus, however, was not borrowed into English via French, and it wasn't borrowed into English directly from Latin. The Old English word for cheese, cheese, actually has cognates across the West Germanic languages, which likely implies a common descent from a mutual Proto-West Germanic ancestor. Proto-West Germanic, of course, is the first West Germanic language from which all the modern West Germanic languages derive, and linguists have reconstructed this Proto-West Germanic word as Kasi. Now, wait. Didn't I just say that Kaisus, the ancestor of cheese, comes from Latin, a non-Germanic language? Yes, but unlike the vast majority of Latin-derived words in English, the history of cheese is different. The Latin word caesus entered the Germanic lexicon long before English even emerged as a distinct language. This is a bit odd, but not entirely unprecedented. Ancient Germanic tribes, particularly the West Germanic tribes, had extensive contact with ancient Rome. They fought with them, they traded with them, and they shared words with them. During this period, probably the 2nd century BCE, West Germanic tribes picked up Latin words such as butter, copper, fork, gem, inch, mile, mint in the monetary sense, pound as a unit of weight, wine, wall, and yes, cheese. You'll notice that among these words, there's a common theme of commerce and goods. There are words for commodities, such as 
cheese, butter, and wine, and also words referring to the measurement of and payment for these commodities, such as inch, pound, mint, and mile. Cognates for not only cheese, but virtually all of these Latin words exist in all the modern West Germanic languages, and they're a living testament to this very ancient period of contact between the quote-unquote barbarians and civilized Rome. Cognates of cheese, like the German Kiza, Dutch Kass, and the Spanish queso, all share an initial hard K sound. However, the Old English chise had an initial ch sound. Unlike German, Dutch, and Spanish, Old English developed a native ch sound early on. It's hard to say exactly when this change in the pronunciation from the Proto-West Germanic Kasi to the Old English Chise would have taken place, but what is for certain is that it would not have been spelled with the CH digraph until the Middle English period. A digraph is just when two letters are used to express a single sound, like CH. The written record attests a handful of variant spellings and pronunciations for the Old English Chise, but they're all spelled simply with an initial C, not CH. That's because Old English used the letter C to represent both the hard K sound and the CH sound. The CH digraph was borrowed into English orthography from French scribes after the Norman French invasion, and it's not until Middle English that we start to see cheese spelled with a CH. As I just mentioned, the Spanish word for cheese, the very familiar word queso, derives from the Latin caesus. So does the Portuguese queijo, the Romanian cas, and the southern Italian regional word caccio. These are all Romance languages derived from Latin, so the genetic relationship among these words is not surprising. But what about Standard Italian and French? The Standard Italian and French words for cheese are formaggio and fromage, respectively. These two words are clearly cognate with each other, but not cognate with cheese and its relatives, in spite of Italian and French being daughter languages of Latin. So how did this happen? Late Latin had the compound word caesus formaticus, literally mold cheese. Not mold cheese as in moldy cheese, but as in cheese made in a mold, the kind of mold that gives cheese a shape and form. Form? Fromage and formaggio are indeed all cognate, deriving from the Latin verb formare, meaning to form or mold or to give shape to something. As I mentioned at the start of this episode, for much of its history, cheese referred to soft cheeses that had to be eaten quickly before rotting. Caesus formaticus, on the other hand, referred to hard, compressed cheeses that remained edible without spoiling for extended periods of time. Hard cheeses were actually one of the main foods supplied to the late Roman legions. As French and some dialects of Italian emerged from late Latin, hard cheeses continued to be widespread, and these languages took their general word for cheese from the formaticus part of caesus formaticus. You'll note that in the French word fromage, the R and the O are inverted. This is due to a linguistic process called metathesis in which speakers unconsciously switch the positions of sounds within a word, over time causing the standard pronunciation of the word itself to change. Some examples of metathesis in modern English include the words bird and ask, which actually derive from the Old English words brid and axion, respectively. 
This is a bit of a digression, but if you've ever wondered why head cheese is called cheese when it doesn't contain any dairy, it's because both hard cheeses and head cheese are prepared in a similar way, by pressing them into molds that give them shape. If you don't know what head cheese is, no offense to anyone who likes it, but it's the North American word for this disgusting-looking meat jelly thing that's cut into squares like a cold cut that's made from the flesh from pig's head. In other parts of the English-speaking world, it's called brawn and souse. Not my thing. Speaking of how cheese is made, or rather, what cheese is made of, casein is the name of a protein found abundantly in all dairy products, including cheese, and its name is directly taken from the Latin caesus plus the standard chemical suffix in. So that's all I've got on the etymology of cheese, but I would be remiss not to address the connection, if any, between cheese and the adjective cheesy, as in corny, lame, inauthentic, lacking subtlety, etc. There actually isn't any connection, metaphorically or etymologically. Believe it or not, cheesy ultimately traces its roots back to Persian. In Persian, the word cheese meant thing or item, which was borrowed as a loan word into Urdu, the modern lingua franca of Pakistan. Well, during the 19th century, when Britain occupied India, English speakers living in India picked up on this word and used it to refer to things of importance or top-notch value. This borrowing has given us the expression the big cheese, meaning an important person, and cheese itself is still sometimes used as a stand-in word for money. However, it wasn't long before this borrowing of the Urdu cheese, specifically the adjective cheesy, came to have a negative connotation, meaning gaudy or overly showy. According to the OED, the earliest attestation in the written record of the pejorative sense of cheesy is in the 1858 novel Ask Mama by Robert Smith Surtees. Quote, To see him at Tattersall's sucking his cane, his cheesy hat well down on his nose. End quote. Later in 1896, in Willard Clark Gore's Dictionary of Student Slang, cheesy is defined as a, quote, vague term of depreciation, end quote. By the early 20th century, the word had developed its more narrow, modern sense, meaning something lacking subtlety or taste. When I was growing up and heard the word cheesy, I always had this sense that it was a new slang word, that it was something of my generation. But remarkably, according to the data aggregated by Google Ngram, a program that shows the frequency with which words appear in the English written corpus, the word cheesy was way more popular in the late 1800s than it is today, specifically peaking at around 1880. Who knew? All right, I hope you enjoyed today's show. Again, I'd like to remind you that if you are a regular listener and you want to help keep this boat afloat, you can make a monthly contribution at patreon.com slash words for granted. You can also make a one-time donation at paypal.me slash words for granted. I'm on Twitter at, at @wordsforgranted and Facebook as Words for Granted. And you can email me directly with questions, comments, and concerns at wordsforgranted at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone. I'll talk to you soon.